Welcome back to your weekly dose shock therapy brought to you by the Say It Again Network. I'm your host, Tyler Lawrence. With me, as always, is my co-host, Zach Alfer. Zach, tell me everything I need to know about SoFi Stadium. Dude, this thing is unreal. So, well, I remember when you gave me the list of games to choose from. Um, I remember picking this one on specifically because I knew it was going to be a battle. I just had a feeling. And to me, I... I thought it was going to be a defensive battle. I thought a lot of people did. We, me and you, our predictions were low with two great defenses going at it. I don't think anybody ex- expected both teams to erupt for 40-plus points, but this was one of the most epic football games I've ever got to experience in person. And, you know, I've been going to sporting events my entire life. Nothing really compares to this past weekend at SoFi. First off, this stadium as an absolute work of art you know like every inch of the place has been thoroughly thought out right like just from looking at it out it's so cool looking from the exterior i found out that there's a imax theater connected to it um the state of the art scoreboard i mean right down to the plants and vegetation right i was walking (laughs) through some of the courtyards and you know wait hold on hold on hold on you weren't walking you were definitely stumbling through the courtyard (laughs) (laughs) Barreling forward, yeah, just like Austin Eckler down at the goal line. Either way, I was getting through there, and I felt like we were in, you know, the gardens of Babylon at times. Like, aesthetically, this stadium is as beautiful as it gets. Um, and then before even getting into it, Thunder Alley, what an experience that was. You know, food in every other booth, all kinds of drinks. There's DJs everywhere. You missed it because you were – waiting in line somewhere else, but there was like a local rapper who came out at one point and was just freestyling about the chargers. Like that MC tailgate. remedy. I know MC yeah, remedy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the name. Th- that tailgate, such an amazing time. And that energy was infectious and it started at the pregame and carried throughout the stadium that entire time. Right. I, I was talking with a couple um, at the airport the next day and we were watching in the airport, waiting for our planes watching highlights of the game and we just got talking to about it and they were telling me they were just a a couple in town for business, not really football fans, um, but decided to go check out the game. And the rest of the conversation was them telling me how amazing it was, how captivating the audience or the, the stadium experience was and how they would so glad, so be so glad to come back and try that all again. Like, to me, it was like unreal. Like you, you, I don't know how you can go in there, feel the energy of the crowd and not have an amazing time. I'm three days removed and my voice is still shot. (laughs) I sound like, you know, wheezy from the toy story uh, series. Like my (laughs) voice is dead, man. And it's been for so long. I met so many great fans. If anybody has the opportunity to go check out a game at SoFi, do not hesitate. It is unreal experience and we're turning neutral friends just people in casually going to la football games and we are you know we're getting people on the fence excited about this it's not just charger fans like everyone's stoked right now this product that we were putting on the football field it's absolutely amazing and i think i have to thank you for you know getting me there in person it was amazing amazing experience the whole whole thing now, I got to tell a little story about Zach. Zach is <laughs> the most hardcore fed I think I've ever met. It's Let's funny. Is, uh, we actually do have some some shock therapy memorabilia. Zach Witten actually won, uh, got himself a shock therapy t-shirt. And he's walking around with a 
a Derwin James jersey and he's ripping his shirt up and says, hey, look at shock therapy, look at shock therapy. I don't know how on earth you got your hands on one of the uh, the the so Zach, I don't know <laughs> if he mossed somebody to get this, but they no. were shooting t-shirts into the crowd and Zach somehow comes down with one. I don't know how you came down with one. But after the game, Zach unfolds this t-shirt <laughs> like like he's raising the flag at Iwo Jima. Like he's over here throwing it in Brown's faces. <laughs> after the game, I was a little worried about you because you were uh, leaving with um, – in a different way that I was leaving, right? I had brought some friends of my own to the game and I was worried about Zach making it home because Zach's, uh, he's, he's walking around with these t-shirts going up in front of Brown's faces, flipping it in their face, saying, bolt up, bolt up, goodbye, <laughs> goodbye. What a game for me to actually bring you to this because this wasn't just some regular, like not nearly as fun in a blowout. Having a really close game uh, where the, the crowds are all into it. And by the way, the, the Chargers fans, we showed out, I would say it was at least 80, if not 90% Charger fans there. It was a really good showing. It was a really good game. That's one of those games that really is coming down to the wire and you're just getting super excited, getting super loud. The crowd definitely had something to do with that game. Uh, let's get into that game, though. I'm, I'm really glad that I get to bring you, Zach, and I can't wait to bring you to another game next season. Yeah. Um, but the Chargers beat the Browns 47-42 to move to 4-1, and while each AFC West team took a loss last week, which actually helps our chances quite a bit. That's huge. Uh, I have no idea what the Chiefs are doing. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if they're going to make a comeback. They just they, they don't even look terrible. They just are, are just not closing out some games because they're in every game. I just I don't know what's going on with the, the Chiefs. Well, they're just not amazing, right? It, it would, they're it would just be, not right it, now. They're just not the absolute, you know, fire sale that they've been the last couple of years. They're making mistakes and they're losing football games, which is is something we haven't seen Mahomes do consistently his whole or entire Andy career. Reed. We don't see either. Andy Reid do that either. So no, it's uncharacteristic of both. Defensively, I think that's where they're really struggling. They're struggling yeah. on defense, and we'll get into the Chiefs once we see them later this season. Uh, for PFF grades, the Chargers overall sit at 75.2, which is 17th. Offense, 79.2, which is 8th. Defense, 62.2, which is 7th. Uh, I'm not sure if that's correct. I think that's a typo. And then special teams, we're actually at the bottom of the league, 31st, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Again, PFF grades, take them with a grain of salt. Uh, your top three offensive graded Chargers, Justin Herbert, 83.0, Donald Parham, 73.6, and Corey Lindsley, 72.6. Your top three defensive-graded players, Chris Harris Jr., 76.9, Chris Rumpf, 70.0, and Kaiser White, 68.8. Chargers did not play a very sound game defensively, and that's part of the reason the score was so high. The Browns actually out-yarded the Chargers, 531 yards to the Chargers, 493 uh, 230 of their yards was just on the ground. So they were massively picking up large chunks of gains uh, through Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. But the Chargers had more passing yards, 381 to the Browns, 301. Uh, the I don't believe there was a turnover, but the Browns were credited with a fumble. Uh, I think they recovered that fumble, so I don't necessarily think it was a turnover because I think 
a stat on Good Morning Football stated that this was like the highest scoring game yeah. uh, for a team to lose and and not turn the ball over, which is interesting. So we had we had forced that fum- we had forced a fumble, but they had recovered it. So no turnover, yeah, they- but they did recover a fumble. And then we had six penalties for 49 yards. Those penalties have come down quite a bit. Uh, being in that five to eight range is, is where I think you kind of want to be, and the Chargers are inside of that. The Browns had seven for 77. Uh, the Browns obviously had that time of possession, just eating up all that clock with all those runs, that those massive runs that they were getting. Statistically, Justin Herbert was 26 of 43 for just under 400 yards, four touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. Austin Eckler, uh, 17 for 66. He had two touchdowns on the ground. He also had five receptions for 53 yards and a touchdown. For every week, every game this season, he's over 100 all-purpose yards. Uh, Mike Williams had a couple monster monster gains on two touchdowns. He was uh, 8 of 15 targets for 165 yards. And then Keenan Allen, 6 for 9 for 75 yards. Again, issues with drops. He had two in that game. Yeah. And then defensively, uh, Derwin James had 17 total tackles, which is insane. And then he had the strip sack as well, uh, which is that fumble that they recovered. And then Adderley had eight tackles and Tranquil had 10 tackles. He left very late in the game. I didn't even notice it being in the stands uh, to a late injury that he is still dealing with. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But overall, the Chargers had just seven defensive pressures uh, both starting offensive tackles for the Browns were out, so I'm kind of surprised we didn't get more pressures on Baker Mayfield. Uh, the bigger statistic that I was more concerned about, and I guess I kind of expected, the Chargers had 18 missed tackles. Mm-hmm. That's insane. It's one of my weak points to the game. Five of those misses were just by Nasir Adderley, including a monster 70-yard gain by David Njoku. That uh, was- embarrassing that was just wasn't there that that play for whatever reason he was there he just he didn't bring him down he just kind of bounced off of him i don't know i'm just saying like mentally just like what were you thinking that's not gonna get that dude down he's huge uh eight pressures allowed four by rayshon slater who still had a terrific game i know he gave up the one sack to miles garrett but overall miles garrett was mostly a non-factor and that was because of rayshon slater Uh, And then the last thing I kind of want to bring up about this game and really the season as a whole, Tristan Vizcano is 10 of 14 on extra points. He missed two this game, but he's also six or seven for field goals. We haven't been kicking field goals, though. We've been going for it on fourth down deep in in, on our side of the field. Uh, Tristan Vizcano is not looking great. Uh, I guess we kind of expected that as well. Let's talk about some of the good things that talk that happened in this game, Zach. So to me, I, looking at the you know the box score, both both teams had players on both sides of the ball that just turned in fantastic individual performances. Right, you just go through some of these stat lines, and a lot of guys had career days. But to me, I think we won that game, and I think you really saw it come together in the fourth quarter. I think we beat the Browns because. We came together as a team when we needed to. We band together as a unit, and we got it done. And I think we won that football game because we have a better team chemistry than the Browns. You know, that was a tough, tough battle. All fourth quarters, one tie, eight lead changes, absolute slugfest. And I think in a game like that, you have individual players 
that could lose a game for you. You have game-ending interceptions, fumbles on the goal line, a blown coverage here and there. But you win games like that as a team, and I think that's what we did. This 2021 Chargers squad is a complete team. Like It is a brotherhood, and you see it on the players' faces, how just excited they are. Every time we make a play, it's not just the position group or the position coach. The entire sideline erupts, right? And I think that all goes back to this culture Brandon Staley has seemingly built overnight. We've been talking about all year how Staley calling the shots on this team. It, it just feels different. And to me, I think what makes Staley so special, he says every one of these players so confident in themselves. And you don't attempt four fourth down conversions in that game unless everyone's fully bought in, right? Staley made those calls because he has full faith in the offense to make that play. And he also has full faith in the defense to possibly have to dig us out of a hole when when we start not converting at such a insane rate. So to me, Staley has instilled so much confidence in this team. And I think our, that's what really separates the squad from other talented teams of the past. This 21, this 2021 squad plays together. Every player believes in one another. And what I like, there's no team, there's no egos. Nobody's better than one another. And I think that's why we're four and one. We have yet to play a perfect game, in my opinion. This team has a lot more gelling to do. I think we have a lot of areas we can improve on. And we're still winning these games. And I think that's because we have a gangster head coach. You know, he's been calling all his players gangsters. I think it's only fair he's called one as well because Staley is the OG right now. Has this team fully confident in the product that we are putting out there every Sunday? We have the opportunity to be really unstoppable if we can iron out just some of these weaknesses. You know, you hear the term championship DNA, and those describe the teams that are competitive every year. You know they're going to be competitive regardless of the roster. They constantly win close games. They never lose games against inferior opponents. They do things the right way. Staley's starting to turn this team into one of those franchises, and it is so exciting to be able to see this thing come together. I, I really love what Brandon Staley's brought to this team just from a culture standpoint. I'm loving all the memes I'm seeing with him and yeah. his huge balls being carried <laughs> in a wheelbarrow because he does. He is literally – these are – these are decisions that could cost a coach his job if they, you know, convert sure. half of them for sure. Um, and I, it does concern me a little because there's a, been a few times where I'm like, I don't necessarily know if I agree with going for this on fourth and seven deep in my own end zone. We did, we converted <laughs> at some point though. I just don't no necessarily know how long that's going to last. Right. And that's and what scares me is if you don't convert that fourth and seven deep in your own part of the field, that's, that's not just a momentum shift. That is like a, like you've lost the game if you don't convert that there. But I mean, he, if he thinks that this team is bought in and, and they are, and it's working, I mean, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. Like, Obviously, we're not going to be converting. It's what seven for eight four down conversions at this point. That's not sustainable. On this season, I think we're even yeah. higher than that. I think we're like twelve of fifteen or something crazy like that. I think. I, okay, well, ridiculous. It's over ninety five percent the yeah. rate that we're converting, and just not sustainable. And even the third downs are super high conversion rate right now as well. But it's this. You know, we're playing with some swagger that I've never seen a Charger football team have. Right? And never. To me, this whole thing that, yeah, coach believes in us, we believe in us, we're going to get it done. I, I was, I forget where I was reading it, but it was, they were going through the PFF uh, player finder just to try to find other situations where 
other teams in similar situations went for these fourth downs, 100% of the time, teams punted or kicked for a field goal. So like you were saying, if these don't convert, that is people lose their jobs for less. And I think it's not something we want to always live by going forward on fourth down. But what I like is it's the attitude, right? We are playing for the wins. We aren't playing to just lose. We're not playing here to just hang out. We're playing to win. And if that means go for it on fourth down, I'm here until the wheels fall off, you know? Yeah, I am too. I'm not, I'm not saying that we need to stop doing it, but it does. It's concerning. Well, it's so it's yeah. nerve wracking is what it is. It's it is. got my nerves all bunched up and then we convert and I'm the happiest guy ever, but I'm still thinking <laughs> in the back of my head. I don't know if I would have done that, but I guess that's why I'm not the coach, right? Uh, but, offensive yeah. tackles this game played really well. I, I said that Rayshon Slater did give up that one sack. Uh, he was credited with another sack. I, I think it's questionable that that fell on him. But overall, Miles Garrett is a beast. He's a top five if not the top edge rusher we talked about that last week and for Slater to to really kind of eliminate and and keep Garrett to five total pressures uh I mean that is outstanding and then you take into account that you had Tack McKinley on the opposite side there and Storm Norton held his own on a week where he he just had a baby he got the game ball from that right uh we didn't have to face Jadavian Clowney which was nice but overall uh, Storm Norton handled himself exceptionally well against two pretty damn good pass rushers overall. Um, and then Austin Eckler, can, he continues to just be a fantasy monster. I know oh, yeah. he tried to slide down. Uh, he didn't want to go into that end zone, uh, but they the Browns actually did a terrific job forcing him in like that. They did. That's We're just missing up the play call. See, that play call in that situation is a knee. <laughs> It is, and we just can't figure out how to take that knee because that's the second week in a row where we didn't want to go into the end zone and we somehow got back in there. But overall, Austin Eckler has been outstanding, nothing short of phenomenal. Yeah. He's not constantly doing it on the ground, but he's doing it through the air as well, right? Uh, I think he's got a couple games like 66 yards here and there. He had that one uh, two weeks ago where he went for, what was it, 120 yards on the ground or something like that. But Austin Eckler is getting it done ground or air if he needs to convert that to a first down he's doing that I really like his utilization he's not it's different than like an Alvin Kamara right or some of the players that kind of fill a similar role to him because I I, he's not he's not the most dynamic player between the tackles he's just kind of a young uh small not young he's kind of like a small pinball guy uh but he always finds a way to get forward progress which is exceptional um and really behind him the the running back rooms have not been overly impressive right mm-hmm. uh, Justin Jackson hasn't really been playing very well in the snaps that he has been getting I know Joshua Kelly had like one or two snaps this game one or two carries and then uh you look at Larry Roundtree none of these guys are, are breaking you know 20 30 yard gains and neither is Austin Eckler but overall it it's starting to work really, really well. And I'm pleasantly surprised with what I've seen with Austin Eckler this season. It's just that efficiency, right? That little engine that can't be stopped. It, he's averaging over like nearly 109 yards per game. And like you're saying, it's, it's both different phases and it changes week to week. He will gash you for 100 yards on the ground and then turn around and catch 70 yards receiving. Like He is so unique 
in his ability where he doesn't have just one thing he's good at. And I like how we are utilizing everything out of his skill set, which I think has been lacking early on in his career, right? We've been forcing him to be a between the tackle runner, which he can do it, but he's not, yeah, he's better out in space. And you saw it on those, you know, that screen pass where he just ran through half of the defense and barreled into the end zone. Like that, that's his game. Get him out there. I'm waiting for him to break like a, a 65 yard run. Like he hasn't done it yet. And I feel like he's just waiting. Like he almost had one two weeks ago where he got yeah, tripped he got up. Caught up, but he, he, I'm usually he's good for like four or five a year where he breaks some, some long gains. And he's been doing, you know, through the screen game, he's been getting these 35 yarders, but he hasn't really broke that enormous, huge run this season yet. Well, he didn't have waiting for it. It'll happen. And I mean, we were saying kind of the similar thing for Mike Williams. And then he, you know, two big, big pass plays from him. And he's sitting at the best game of his career, 165 yards from that guy. Really amazing, and he just keeps taking monster steps. Mike Dub, Mike Dub was on there that game. Uh, before we get – well, let's get into the bad. So I talked about Keenan Allen's drops. For whatever reason, he's just kind of like – I don't know what it is. He He's not even the number one wide receiver in this offense, which is weird because everyone talks about him as being like a top 10, if not top five wide receiver. And I, I don't want to say it, but are we starting to see some regression? And and maybe it's just his utilization. Uh, maybe it's just some early season mistakes that he needs to get cleaned up. But are are we starting to see some sort of Keenan Allen regression? Because he's not even the the. I mean, he might be top in targets, but he's not leading the team in receiving yards. And or I just don't feel like I'm seeing the normal Keenan Allen that we're used to. Well, I, I don't know if it's the drops don't make sense. Um, that needs to just, he needs to figure that out ASAP because those just don't make any sense, but I don't really think it's a regression because he's not playing bad, right? No, and, he's not. And it's every time we need, every time we need a tough five, six yard completion, he's getting those, get targets and he's completing them, you know, when we need to, and the game's on the line. I, I think it's just the rule of the offense. And like Lombardi was saying, the X receiver in this offense just eats. Yeah. And, and I think we have a lot. I, I think what you're seeing is this is one of the best supporting casts Keenan's ever had too. Yeah, that's true. He's really ever had around him. Like even Eckler has never been this dynamic in any Anthony Lynn offenses, right? So I think it's not even a regression. I think that everybody else around him is playing so, so at such a high level that we've never seen that it kind of looks like he's regressing. But I think he's well, the same old Keenan. The reason I, I say it is because there in previous season, he was making guys look silly. And sure. he's still winning his matchups for sure. He's without a doubt, he's winning his matchups, but he's not he's not breaking ankles like he used to, right? And I think a lot of his success in previous seasons is that we were throwing him a lot of screens out, you know, in kind of space and let him get upfield. And then we were having him do a lot of like double routes and stuff. But I mean, you're still seeing him get behind the defense, which is weird because he's not, he's not a burner. Right. And you look at that beautiful catch on the sideline where it was just right over his shoulder and how beautiful of a catch that was. But I just don't necessarily think I'm seeing the, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019 Keenan Allen that you've seen in previous years where his route running, he's still getting open. I think he's a really good wide receiver too, but he's fallen to wide receiver too, which is 
my pause on that because he's supposed to be our top guy and he hasn't been. And I don't know if it's just Mike Williams overtaking him or, you know, he's 29 years old. And while he's still a a pretty good, phenomenal player, you know, I still call him at a minimum a a top 20 player. I'm starting to think that maybe that regression is starting to, to seep in a little bit. And I I think it's starting with concentration because of the drops. Mm. Uh, But I mean, he's leading the NFL in drops right now. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's just so it doesn't make any sense. And I just don't see, I don't see the regression. I think it is just one of those, one of those things that are kind of iron itself out after a 17 game season. Cause you don't, you don't go back and forth with Derwin James no. or these DBs like he has been in training camp and, and have a regression, right? We saw the the training camp footage. Yeah, and looked- he was still playing really well. Uh, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm seeing it, and I guess I'm just bringing it to light because right now it's a little bit of an issue. The drops are. A little bit. And I still think that he's getting open. I still think that he's at least at a minimum a top 20, still possibly a top 10. I, I'm just seeing a lot more dynamic wide receivers in the NFL right now. Your DK Metcalf, Mike Williams has has taken that leap, the Tyreek Hills. And then I look at Keenan Allen as a really clutch player on third and fourth down who's going to make his fair share of plays. But I, I just don't see the superstar in Keenan Allen I saw before. And maybe it's just because he's he's taken the wide receiver two role in this offense in this game plan. Um, I mean, he's still getting targeted almost 10 times a game, if not more coming down with, you know, seven of them. It is what it is. And then the last thing I want to talk about the bat is all the missed tackles. I talked about it earlier. Uh, it's a big reason why they had such a monster ground on the run game. Yeah. Uh, Nasir Adderley having a bunch of those just to himself. Now Nasir Adderley is still so much improved from the previous season. Um, I think he just found himself going up against one of the best running backs in the NFL. And that's what's going to happen. Yeah, we had a we could not figure out Nick Chubb. Um, could not or bring Kareem that guy Hunt. down. Yeah, yeah, neither one. Both averaging crazy yards per carry. I, Chubb I, is I, so good, dude. I I is. really like watching Nick Chubb play. He is uh, so good. He's great. But like, are you any at all concerned about you know our run defense? worse than the league. I know a lot of it is by design. We are winning these football games, but to me that is a little bit concerning because 230 yards on the giving up on the ground. Like I know the Browns are a good running football team, but to me, I don't think that cuts it come January, right? No, I've been saying it all, all week. I, I thought this weekend's game was a, a preview of a potential playoff game. We could see, I'm going to need a better showing against good run teams in January, I'm definitely going to need a better run performance with the freak offensive ground game that Baltimore has. Yeah, uh, it is. Uh, it is a concern. It is something that we have to continue to monitor. I saw earlier today and yesterday, Guilty as Church podcast guys talking about Akeem Hicks being available with the yeah. Bears and saying, you know, that's that's a worthy trade right there. Um, that's that's one of those all in type moves. And if we really are all about it and we know that this is an area of concern for this team, I don't know why you don't do it to upgrade that offensive line um, or that defensive line, because I, I think we need another guy there. Maybe we're holding out for Justin Jones, 
But I mean, Justin Jones is still on IR. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. And one more injury to that group, and you're back to square one. Sure. Well, and Hicks is a difference maker, right? Oh, that, for sure. That is, that is, like you said, an all-in move. Um, I wouldn't like, I would not mind him being over there. I, I'm just kind of, I kind of wonder how serious are those rumors and, you know, if we are interested at all. Um, like, I mean, as outside looking in, I love that addition, but Staley has seemed from the beginning, you know, really set on who he's brought into camp and who he decided not to Right, the Tyron Johnson decision was something that everyone was kind of, I don't know if if that was a great decision. And right now it's looking like Staley's the genius that we all thought he was. You have any more bad to take away from this game or did we pretty much cover it? Um, I, I do want to just go back to the kicking game. Looking at the replays of those, there was one where if Viscano kicked it accurately, the Browns would have blocked it and potentially took it in. And he specifically swung it and it went a little right. So I don't even know if it's all him right now. I think the whole entire field goal unit needs a little bit of upgrade. Maybe, I don't know what, what they need, but it, I, I think the whole unit is not performing and I, we're lucky that four missed extra points, that one missed field goal hasn't resulted in a loss. That That is not something to build towards a championship team. It's not something we want to be worried about here in a couple of weeks. So I think it's a lot, not just Viscano. I think that whole group needs to do, uh, needs to straighten it out moving forward. Before we move over to the Ravens, I do want to talk about Sandbox Simulation. SandboxSimulations.com is like Madden franchise. We just got through our very first season. Zach Alfers did not make the playoffs because his nope. team is garbage. Bench but I'm in, <laughs> I'm in the playoffs. Uh, if you're interested in playing uh, Sandbox Simulations, like I said, it's kind of like Madden franchise where you draft your own NFL players. You sign them to long-term contracts. You develop your own game plan. Uh, you decide how often do you run and want to run in different down and distances, different situations. Uh, it's very in-depth. It's very intuitive. It's a lot of fun to play. There's a new game every three days. All stats are based off the previous season. All injuries are based off the previous season. So if you got Tyrod Taylor, who plays the first game, out the next three, and is available for the rest of the season, that's how it'll be in your sandbox season. Uh, it is a ton of fun to play, to sign up. Go to sandboxsimulations.com, use code 
shop 20 at checkout to save 20% off your first season and get in on the action. Zach, anything you want to say about sandbox simulations or you just want to be a sore loser? <laughs> no, I will say it was a lot of fun. Um, I messed up. I, no excuses. I was totally confused on the outcome. So I thought we were drafting. It, it doesn't matter. I don't want to make any excuses. I messed up. <laughs> I I was kind of going in with the 17th pick. My kind of, my, my, I was taking a long-term approach anyway. Um, I was really surprised that I had so much success as I did <laughs> those first couple of weeks. It had not so much success towards the middle of the week and, and towards the middle of the season. I had a mediocre team. I don't have a quarterback. I don't want to say I tanked, but I, I, I rested all my players from the last <laughs> eight or so weeks or so. Um, not sore loser. I just was always building for the future anyway. So I, I'm in for next season. I just, I made a couple of mistakes uh, in my draft and well, you'll need, you'll, roster you'll organization skills. You'll get a chance to, to fix that next season. Thank you so much for playing, Zach. I know we got a couple other guys. We got Arjun Menon. We got some of the guys from the Sadigan Network in that league. Uh, we've been talking a little bit of trash back and forth. I think Arjun's going to win the whole thing, uh, but we'll see. Uh, thank you guys so much for playing. I'm so glad that you guys came in. Again, sandboxsimulations.com. Shop 20 at checkout to first save 20% off your first season and come get in on the action. Moving on to the Los Angeles Chargers playing the Baltimore Ravens. Both teams are 4-1. and We'll be playing at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore, October 17th. You can find the game at 10 a.m. on Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Catch the game on CBS. Going over the Baltimore Ravens injury report, three players did not practice. Pernell McPhee, Ronnie Stanley, who's their offensive tackle and wide receiver Sammy Watkins. They had three players that were limited participants, Deshaun Elliott, Geno Stone, both safeties, and Alejandro Villanueva. The Ravens have a ton of players on IR. Uh, Guard Ben Cleveland, wide receiver Rashad Bateman, who I think could potentially return for this game. They haven't really been talking too much about it. Uh, Guard Tyre Phillips, uh, defensive end Derek Wolf, cornerback Marcus Peters, Tight end Nick Boyle. They also have three running backs, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, and J.K. Dobbins all on IR, which is part of the reason they've been struggling so much in the run game. For the Chargers injury report, uh, two players did not practice. Drew Tranquil and Mike Williams. This was a walkthrough practice. Uh, Drew Tranquil is a new one to the injury list. Uh, there is potentially could potentially miss time. I guess we're going to have to check and monitor that a little more closely, it is a chest injury, something he sustained in the final minute of the game. And then limited practice was Nasir Adderley, who is dealing with a hip injury, and Justin Jackson, who's been dealing with the groin injury. We also recently placed Odea Bushi on IR. He did tear his ACL. I want to say it was like 10 snaps into the game. Uh, the Chargers did go and sign. I forget what his name was. A uh, guard from played with the Texans. He was a starter there for a few seasons. Uh, he is just going to be depth at this point in time. Uh, let's go over the Ravens offense. What do you think about the Ravens and how, how do you beat their offense? How do you slow them down? Well, I, I mean, to me, I think, I think this is going to be another one of those pl- playoff potential previews. I mean, both teams on huge winning streaks, both tied for the best record in the conference, both 
on top of their respected divisions. But to me, I, I the Ravens offense, it's one guy. And I think if you could get to Lamar Jackson with, with all the injuries they have with, with their three top running backs down, to me, I think the key is figuring out a way to slow down Lamar Jackson. Like you heard Herbert in his interviews discussing his game and how much he respects Lamar Jackson. And I, I think you're really seeing this season. I, I think everybody has respect for Lamar's legs, right? We've seen the crazy athletic plays that he can make, but this year he's really making strides as a passer. Um, and I think you really saw it on the, the comeback Monday night against Indy. He finished the Holtz game with 442 yards, four touchdowns, passer rating over 140, averaging over 10 yards per attempt. You know, like that was the way you beat Lamar in the past. You'd force him to pass the ball, and he has somehow figured it out and is becoming a legit dual threat quarterback. I, I think we kind of have to have a similar game plan as we did the Browns, try to take away the running game and force Lamar to throw the ball as, as much as possible. I, I think you got to take him out of his game. And to me, I, I would like, I would like to have all of our linebackers healthy because to me the the solution would be let's put Kenneth Murray or Drew Tranquil and we'll just spy him all game. But with both, potentially both of those guys out, at least Kenneth Murray, uh, I, I don't know what the solution is. Nick, Nick Neiman and Amin Ogboniga are both going to play are, are should play a lot of snaps this game, given the matchup, given the injuries we have at the linebacker position. One of those guys is going to need to step up. And I know we talked about it in the past. We thought Amin would be pretty good in a situation like this, having to spy a guy like Lamar Jackson all game. How confident are, would you be in either one of those guys, Nick Neiman or Amin Omega, most likely getting serious snaps this weekend? Like, I think we're going to need a big game from either one of them. I, I think I like Amin better for this specific task at hand. Well, right now, I totally think Nick Neiman is the runner up there for uh, Drew Tranquil, just because just looking at it on the depth chart, looking at how effective he's been on special teams, teams, Nick Neiman is the guy right now. And to be honest, Nick Neiman has been exceptional in the role that he has played. Uh, If you look back at his his, uh, preseason, he's been playing exceptionally well in that linebacker. I mean, he led the NFL in tackles during the preseason. And he's not a guy that misses very many tackles. And I think putting him on spy is something I would totally be willing to do, especially with his athleticism. I mean, not very many guys were running in the, I think he ran in the four fives as a linebacker. That's ridiculous. And that's right at the same level as Lamar Jackson. So athletically for their size, you know, you take into account that Nick Neiman's probably an extra 20 pounds heavier than he, than Lamar Jackson is. There's no reason that that matchup as a spy isn't going to be there for you. Um, but, you know, Lamar Jackson's a, a different animal. He's he's a different kind of creature, right? Like this guy had over 500 yards of total offense to himself last week. That's yeah. outstanding. And back in the day, you were said it, like what you would do is you take away the run game and force Lamar Jackson to throw the ball on you. But the Ravens don't have a running game at all right now. They're, they don't. And it's been, it's been bad. Latavius Murray, Devontae Smith, Ty Williams, they also have 
Le'Veon Bell, who hasn't played like any significant snaps at all this season. They've got injuries to the offensive line. I think I'm letting the Ravens try to run the ball against me this week, especially knowing that our running game has been struggling a little bit. Let them threaten you to do it because I don't think that they have the the running game available right now to go and have that type of offense. They haven't been able to show it over the first four games. I mean, Lamar Jackson's been their leading rusher like four out of five weeks at each each game. So it's it's not something I'm worried about. I'm threatening them to, to do that and let them pass the ball and, and uh, let's take that away. Let's just take that away because I'm not worried about the Ravens' uh, run game. Not this year something I'm typically worried about because that's been their strong point for so long, but that's, that's all history. This is a passing team now and Lamar Jackson is on fire. He's a legit MVP candidate in my opinion. Well, yeah, he's been on our tear. I mean, if, I want to say he's fifth in passing yards right now. Yeah, it's ridiculous. He's been phenomenal. And if you even look at their wide receiving room, like it's, it's upgraded. I don't know if Rashad Bateman's going to play, but there is a reason he was drafted so highly. Sammy Watkins has been steady at worst, right? To borderline, you know, elite talent in his early years. Like Sammy Watkins can still play. But then they also have Hollywood Brown, who's a burner. Devin DuVernay, who's a burner. James yeah. Prochet has been, uh, as a college aspect, he was much better than he is now. But I, I still like James Prochet as well. I, and then Mark Andrews is a top five tight end in this league. There's a reason he's been targeted so much by the Ravens over the past few seasons. I'm more worried about their passing game than I am their running game because they haven't been able to have any sort of running game. I mean, who the hell is Ty Williams anyways? <laughs> right? Ty we all. Yeah, he shouldn't. I mean, he's a practice squad candidate, right? Like he, <laughs> he's yeah, not exactly. supposed to be playing. Exactly. That's my point. Exactly. So when you look at them and then you look at like Devontae Freeman, at one point, this dude was an exceptional talent. Le'Veon Bell, at one point, he was an exceptional talent, but they're not even worthy of mentioning in this offense right now. I still like Latavius Murray as a third down, third and short back, as a short yardage back overall, but there's no way that he should be carrying, like leading any offense in snaps. Like, or, or attempts or anything. It's just not his style of game. I still think he's an effective runner and a situational type game, but he should not be there every down back. Well, and he's one of those guys, like, he, he needs a, a committee mate, right? He, he can't be taking the full workload. It needs to be split. He needs to be one of those guys that gets in a rotation to keep him fresh because that's when he – that's how he was – that's when he was at his best with Mark Ingram throwing in Murray there in the Saints offense. That was lethal for him. The last year he should have been in every down back was his first season with the Raiders where he was a phenomenal talent where he rushed for over a thousand yards. And then he goes straight over to the Vikings and sits behind Adrian Peterson. So it's like, yeah, I just don't think that he's the guy. Yeah. He's over the hump for sure. On defense. uh, This is going to be the first true three, four defense that the Chargers are going to play. Their interior defensive line is pretty strong with Justin Matabuke, Brandon Williams, and Callius Campbell, who long in the tooth, but still a great, great, phenomenal talent. Uh, somebody that you have to account for. And then you got Justin Houston, uh, Tyrus Bowser, Pernell McPhee, and by the way, Odafe Owe. Been phenomenal. I think he's been one of the best rookie edge rushers 
actually he has been, he has 18 total pressures. Yeah. Insane. That leads all rookies and every player on his team in total pressures. He's also been like their every down edge rusher. Uh, I think he's got like 80% of the snaps as well. So he has been outstanding, phenomenal, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I am a little more concerned for their pass defense. And I, 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 I shouldn't say concerned. I'm more willing to pass against this team because I think that yeah. they're they're not as strong. I mean, Carson Wentz threw for over 400 yards against them last week. Carson right. Wentz. Carson Wentz. <laughs> so I'm, I'm okay passing the ball against them, but not in the slot because – Marlon Humphrey is a lockdown corner. He excels in the slot. Five, six, seven years ago, back when um, Chris Harris Jr. was that premier player at that position, that is now Marlon Humphrey. So I I don't think Keenan Allen is going to have that monster game this week because I think he's going to be matched up basically one-on-one with Marlon Humphrey, and I don't know if he's going to win that matchup. so those are my offense and defense of thoughts. What, yeah. are, what are your thoughts of their defense? Well, I, I think I have the similar. I, I think their pass defense is just a little less. Well, let's get into it. I think health is going to be a big factor in this game. You know, both teams just expelled a lot of energy this past week. Both had to overcome deficits late in the game. And, and the Ravens are beat up, man. Coming off of a short week. Just expending all that energy, like I was saying. All the players they have on IR too. It's and it's wow. tough. It, it doesn't make any sense, and I really do feel for them. But this Ravens defense, I just don't think is as because of these injuries. It's not as as elite as it used to be. You lose a guy like Marcus Peters, you're going to have a little drop off. And like you were saying, you don't give up. You can't give up 400 yards to Carson Wentz and the struggling Indianapolis Colts. They let him. Average over 11 yards per attempt. So if I'm Justin Herbert, I'm the passing offense of the Chargers. I'm pretty excited because I think it's going to be another shootout. I think the Ravens have a good run defense, but I think their pass defense, it gives up a lot of yards. And it's proven it could be exposed despite being, they're generating pressure at an amazing rate. They're tied with a league high 60 pressures and they blitz a lot. Um, They led the NFL last season in total blitzes. Well, and they're up there in percentage wise. I, I think Eckler is going to be, an, again, very key in this matchup because I think he's really a perfect weapon to utilize against this team. Obviously, I want to get him involved in the screen game. I think that'll help try to take the pressure off the pass rush. They blitz 33% of the time. It was ridiculous. So I like that. I like getting the ball out fast. I think Austin Eckler is going to make his money this week as a pass blocker. You know, I know Slater doesn't want him chipping or helping out on that side, but I think he's going to be needed to pick up a guy that gets through untouched or pick up a guy on the other side, help Norton out. I think his ability to pass block, I think, is a one underrated aspect of his game, but I think it's going to be really crucial against the Ravens who can get after you but are going to give up a lot of yards in, in the process. So I, I think Eckler being able to pick up those blocks – are going to let Herbert scan the field and, and get the ball downfield for for some big chunk plays. I think they're there to be had against this Ravens defense. I think it's going to be one of, another shootout. I've been predicting defensive battle after defensive battle. I'm remixing it. This is going to be a shootout, 
and we'll probably get a 10-14 game or something. But I'm predicting another offensive shootout because the, both of these offenses have been on fire, and I don't see – and I think they're good matchups for the opposing defenses. So I, I, I'm kind of feeling like a 30-24 kind of game. Um, not the slugfest we just saw, but I think it's going to be pretty high scoring. So actually I already got into like my offensive matchup, right? So let's, let's talk about like matchups specifically when we were playing the Ravens defense, what do the Ravens want to do on defense? On defense? Well, I think the Ravens want you to run the football right now. They are more so than that. I think what they want to do is they want to blitz. They want to get after the passer. That's what they want. Yeah. And I think that, where they're hurting is in their secondary, specifically at corner, because they've got some injuries there. I mean, their starting corners is Anthony Everett. I don't even know who that is. Marlon Humphrey, which I know he's elite. Tavon Young. Jimmy Smith is like 33 years old. At one point, Jimmy Smith was a great player. But I think that the way you beat this team, go out into four and five wide wide receivers. Like, yeah. spread spread it out and force them into situations where they can't blitz. And then just pick the matchup that you like, preferably not Keenan Allen on Marlon Humphrey, and throw those slants over the middle. And when you go and spread and open it up wide, right? Uh, force them if they're going to cover two, force it on either of the boundaries or down the, the seam. I think that really takes them out of their defensive game plan. And they don't want to do that. They want they want you to be in two tight end sets so that they can, yeah. you know, send their weak side linebacker this way and then, you know. Um, however it, it is that they want to set up their blitz packages. If you go four wide, they're not going to be able to do those. They're going to have to have two guys out there. And then what do we like to do? We like to throw those quick passes. So if you see that, you know, Marlon Humphrey's coming on a blitz from the slot, you've got your outside to Keenan Allen right there. That's how Keenan Allen's going to get his, his yards there. I really think you go four wide, uh, even five wide, go empty set, stuff like that, because then you're dictating what, they are going to do by doing that. I like it. No, and I, I, I think both teams, it's a very good matchup for both teams. It is. I, I think you go down the line, it's okay, we got one. Okay, they got one. It's like one of those fantasy matchups that you're looking like and you're like, this is going to be tight because there's really only going to be a couple points of separation. And I I, I want to say the odds makers have Ravens as like a three-point three point favorites. I have the numbers it, it doesn't matter it's going to be close and yeah both teams match up with each other very well I, it's going to be one of those games like I said I, I think because they're so close in talent and roster construction it's going to become down to health again I think it's going to come down to a late drive and I think I, I just can't vote I can't go against Herbert right now whenever no, the game you is can't. He's you can't so right hot. He's on fire with how these teams, what they want to do, what they don't want to do. I think it's going to turn into one of those, another barn burner, not 80, 90 total points, but it's going to be high scoring again. I I think Justin Herbert is going to edge this one out because our roster is a little healthier. And you heard Staley saying it. He has a good football team around him. I I, I don't really, I I think Lamar has pieces. I don't think he has a, a team surrounding him. Defensively, I think that the way you beat the when we talked about a little bit is the matchup I'm looking at is Lamar Jackson versus Bosa and Nwosu Fakral and Rumpf. 
And I think that part of what you want to do against the Ravens is you want to limit Jackson from getting outside the pocket, but you also want to keep the pocket condensed and small because Jackson loves going through those A and B gaps. If you let, if you, you know, spread the ball out and you take away the boundary, he's going to go right down the middle and then he gets those one-on-one matchups with linebackers and he breaks out for big yards. So I want to see Bosa, Nwosu, Fakron, Rump. I don't want to just see them contain, but I want them to see them con- con- collapse and condense and, and keep the pocket a little bit smaller and really force um, Patrick Mahomes, or not Patrick Mahomes, force um, Lamar Jackson to throw from the pocket, not out of weird different angles or whatever else. Uh, you want to keep them in the pocket and you don't want to allow any um, any lanes, running lanes through the A and B gaps, which is where he's also super dangerous. Um, so that's the other thought I had about that. My prediction for this game, I think the Chargers are going to win this. I think that they do match up very well, but I think defensively is where we're going to beat this team just because I think we're built to play the pass. And I think that's what the Ravens are trying to be. That's who their identity is this season. I actually have us winning by a greater margin, 31-17. And it's just because I think we match up very well against them. I still think it's going to be a a good tight game. I think we're going to pull it away toward the end there. Just because I, I, I have enough faith in Lamar Jackson's arm to say, okay, he's progressed and he's developed into a much better passer but not enough to say that he's a good or an elite passer by any means. I think he's just somebody that's so dynamic that he brings the defense closer to the line of scrimmage so that they can stop the run. And that opens those passing lanes to, you know, Mark Andrews over the middle for, you know, a 20, 25 yard gain. Um, But I, I think we match up with their wide receivers really well defensively, just from that standpoint, Mark Andrews and Derwin James, that's going to be a fun matchup to watch. Um, and then Asante Samuel against some of these really young, you know, the Hollywood Browns, the Devin Duvernays. And I think I really want to match up Michael Davis against Sammy Watkins because I feel like both players are built very similarly. Uh, and both players are, you know, veterans that uh, that excel uh, in matchups like this. I'm excited. I'm excited. Either way, win, tie, win, loss or draw we are still be on top of the AFC West, regardless of what happens today or happens on Sunday. So that's positive. I I agree that you got to keep the pocket condensed. And it's something we did so well against the chiefs. It was a really big part of that game. It's something that the bills did again, very well against the chiefs this weekend to help blow them out. So I I think that is a big answer. I also think we're going to see some big plays from Lamar Jackson He's that good. He's going to let loose for a couple big plays. I think this is going to be one of those heavyweight matchups. We're going to get hit in the chin. It's just going to be how we respond. And and like you said, I think it is going to come down late. I just have more respect in our roster. I just think we're healthier. Just like last week, we we were healthier. And and it's something really, really important. And it's going to be even more important moving forward. This team is healthy. We I know we lost a couple guys this week, but... Those are the first major injuries we have. And we're talking about the Ravens. You got eight starters on their team on the injured reserve right now. So there's going to be a, a, a huge key for this game, but it's going to be also a huge key for the rest of our success moving forward. So really excited for this Ravens football game. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, leave us a comment, subscribe, 
leave us some reviews. We like reading them. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART.